Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the podcast that is finally taking you to a facility with a pun in its name, the Raw Safari Podcast. Y'all, if you have listened to even a minute of this podcast before, then you know that I love me some puns. And uh, I'm really, really, really pleased that there is an incredible accredited zoological facility in Scottsdale, Arizona, that has a pun as its name. It is the Odyssey Aquarium, O-D-Y-S-E-A with a capital S. And uh, the fact that it's a great facility, the fact that it is huge, and the fact that it is new and brilliant, and you're going to hear about some exhibit design that I have only ever seen at Odyssey Aquarium, is all mildly exciting, but not nearly as exciting as the fact that it is called Odyssey Aquarium. (laughs) Okay, okay, I'm kind of kidding. Kind of. But I do really like puns. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I, I was so excited to find out this place existed and to go there. And uh, they, they were so kind and so helpful. And um, honestly, we talk a lot in this episode about what makes the aquarium unique. So while what I normally do right now is, is tell you about the different cool things that I saw there, I'm, I'm not going to do that right now because we, we talk about it in the episode and I will let my guests do that for you. And I did say guests because we did an interview with two different people uh, for this one, a simul interview, and um, it was with Cassie Harold, who is a senior animal care specialist at the aquarium, and Kyle Snell, who is an animal care specialist at the aquarium. Uh, so you can probably assume that Cassie is significantly older because she is a senior animal care specialist, so she came in with her walker and um, put her dentures in and did No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love you, Cassie. Uh, I love you too, Kyle. You we're both incredible. But so anyway, um, yeah, it's just uh, I'm a goofball like puns, like we said. But so I am just so excited because this was such a cool team. Cassie and Kyle complimented each other so well. And uh, you're going to love all of the content. We, we have some fun with it. Um, I, 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 I was a little naughty towards the end. You'll hear we had a good time. But uh, the other thing I need to tell you before we get into this is that Odyssey was absolutely incredible to work with from top to bottom. Um, But I I was naughty. I was naughty. I'm just going to say it that way. So uh, the person who I dealt with is named Karen Korpowski-Gallo. And uh, she's incredible. She was wonderful. She helped set this up. She was accommodating. Um, it was it was such a good experience. I love when the people that I, I connect with, you know, to make these interviews happen are as amazing as Karen was. It was super helpful. It made my life easier. So Karen and I were talking about what the episode could focus on. And Karen was like, well, we are known for our sharks, so why don't you come here and do an episode where we talk all about our sharks? And y'all, I love sharks. Sharks are really cool. And I committed to doing that and went in with every intention of going in and talking about sharks. And then I got to the aquarium. I saw all the cool new types of exhibits that we're going to talk about, but I also saw a ton of sea turtles. And They have this signage up that talks about each turtle and their name and their personality. And y'all know me. Y'all know I love sea turtles. Uh, So I fell in love with the sea turtles. So we get into the room to talk about sharks. And I start off by getting the histories of Cassie and Kyle. And then we talk about the new exhibits. And then I make them go through each sea turtle in painstaking detail. We get personalities. We get descriptions. It's fun. It's adorable. And then a About a half hour into this just under an hour long interview, we get to sharks. Uh, Those of you who know me know that that is kind of how my brain works anyway. (laughs) Um, But my apologies to Karen, Uh, although she was cool with it. She was there the whole time. And uh, yeah, this one is a fun one. 
So before we get to it, a uh, quick reminder, make sure that you have hit subscribe and are, you know, getting every episode automatically downloaded on whatever podcast app you listen to. Uh, make sure you're following along at Ross Safari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Ross Safari Pod on TikTok. And now... I can tell you that I'm starting to also upload the podcast on YouTube. We may do some additional video stuff there down the road. I'm not sure yet, but you can search Rossafari on YouTube and start listening to the podcast there as well. So that's exciting for everyone, maybe? Question mark? I don't really know, but it makes me happy, and I guess that's what really matters in life. So yeah, I'm going to shut up now, and I'm going to send you to the punniest name in the AZA, Odyssey Aquarium for my interview with Cassie Harold and Kyle Snell. All right. So um, there are two of you here today, uh, which is pretty exciting. And I want to start off by having you both just kind of introduce yourselves. So um, let's start to my right and tell me who you are, where we are and what you do here. Yeah, my name is Cassie Harold. We are here at Odyssey Aquarium in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, and here at the aquarium, I am senior animal care specialist with our fish and invertebrates team. My name is Kyle Snell. I am also an animal care specialist here at Odyssey Aquarium, and I work in the same department right alongside Cassie. Awesome. And we are here to talk sharks and aquarium and all kinds of cool things today. Um, but as I like to do, I want to kind of start off by getting to know the both of you a little bit. Um, so Cassie, why don't you start off and tell me... Like, how did you get here? What was your youth like with animals? What was your career path? And, and what brought you to Odyssey? So, yeah, um, I'm originally from the Midwest, Indiana. So it's a landlocked state, you know, not really around the oceans too much. But as a kid, we'd go on vacations quite often down to Florida, along the coast. And really just any chance I got, I loved being at the ocean, finding all the critters that are kind of washed up on the beach and just trying to learn about them. Um, but when I ended up going to college, um, I originally wanted to be um, in education, doing teaching um, with high schoolers. And when I got to college, I took these uh, math tests to see what level I was at. And they were like, well, if you want to be a math teacher, you're going to be here for like five years. And I was like, ooh, maybe I should reconsider my, uh, my career path. And I, I really took a while to kind of think about it. And... I've always been drawn to animals, um, in particular the ocean. It just always fascinated me. There's so much variety in different types of animals. Um, and a side note, too, I was also in gymnastics and cheerleading uh, during school. And I was like, you know what? I wonder what it would take to be the person to like do a flip off of Shamu. Like, <laughs> that was the thought I had. I was like, okay, so I'm going to start investigating this career field. Nice. Um, and I did and chose to pursue a biology degree um, and really get my foot in the door doing different internships um, throughout Indiana. There's not much to choose from as far as ocean life, but started out doing um, some stuff with land animals, um, like rescue rehabilitation type setting. And then I got an internship at the Indianapolis Zoo where I was going to pursue um, being a dolphin trainer. Nice. And I unfortunately did not get the dolphin trainer internship, but they offered me um, a position in their fish and invertebrates department um, interning there. So I decided, why not? I'd love to learn more. And I fell in love immediately with penguins, corals, stingrays. And I'm like, you know what? This is a little bit cooler. I have a little bit more diversity. Um, and I really chose to stick with the fish and invertebrate side and have just loved it ever since and have luckily gotten to have a career in this field. That's awesome. I did not realize that penguins were invertebrates, but uh, now yeah, I know. Yeah, that, that zoo, you know, was a little clumped together. Got to feed some penguins. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, um, yeah I love the Indianapolis Zoo. Uh, I've had Erica Allen, um, one of their dolphin trainers, okay. on twice. Um, wants to talk about walruses and got uh -huh. to meet uh, Ginger and Aku there. And then wants to go and, and hang out with the dolphins and do some training with them and stuff. And it uh -huh. was really special. It's a very special zoo. Oh, yeah. yeah. They've got a great marine mammal collection. Um, yeah. And even their smaller aquarium section is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very good all around. Um, so then, uh, what uh, was it right from India to here, or did you did you take kind of a, a weaving path? 
So yeah, I've been a little bit all over. Um, went from Indiana, graduated college, um, and moved on to do an internship at Walt Disney World um, in Epcot at the Living Seas um, on their fish and invertebrates team. So that was a really great experience working at Disney for a short period That's of time. Awesome. It was a lot of fun. Um, I then moved on to SeaWorld. Um, that was my first um, officially paid position in the field. Um, as I love a, that. It's a place that inspired you, and then yeah, you got to work there. Exactly. That's so cool. That's really, really cool. good. So I did a lot of diving there. Um, and then, yeah, I was kind of like, well, you know, it was an assistant position. I was looking to get my foot in the door even farther, which led me uh, to a position out here in Arizona at uh, the Sea Life Aquarium in town. And then, you know, the timing of everything as I moved out here, I get to drive by this massive, beautiful aquarium being built. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, how lucky is that that I'm now in a city where a brand new aquarium is going to be um, put together? So I moved here after a few years at Sea Life. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Uh, so hard-hitting questions. You know, we go deep on this <laughs> podcast. Um, as you were at SeaWorld, did, did you do a flip off Shamu? No, unfortunately, Aww. I did not get to interact <laughs> with the mammals other than like what the guests get to do, which I think at the time was you can buy like a cup with some fish and throw it in for the dolphins. So that was the closest I got to the marine mammals. But I got to work a lot with like sea turtles, which that in itself was amazing. Seeing all the um, rehab cases come in and get to see them be sent back to the ocean. That was really inspiring. Oh, no doubt. And you have a whole, you must have a whole world of that because that's at, uh, at Disney. Um, they have that big exhibit as well. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of sea turtle yep. uh, between those two places. That's oh, yeah. really cool. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember, um, if I'm remembering this correctly, I, it was a while ago that I was at Disney, but at the Living Shores area, that's where the Nemo show uh-huh. is. And the, the sea turtles that they have living there, the re- or rescued sea turtles that have been unreleasable, they live there, mm-hmm. are the exhibit as you wait to go into the Nemo show. Oh, yes. And I kept <laughs> standing there because I wanted to see the sea turtles. And I kept having people come up and be like, sir, Sir, the show's going to start. We need you to come in. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I don't care about the show. I don't like, close I the doors. The I'll wait. I'm here for the sea turtles. And it really confused them. And every yeah. time they're like, sir, do you want to, do you want to see the show? No, I'm good. I'm solid. Looking at turtles. Thank That's you. That's hilarious. Yeah. They've got those little exhibits right outside the entrance. And yeah, they try to get people in and mm-hmm. keep it going. But. And then the second that I went through and actually saw the show, then you go out and yeah. This yep. whole thing. But I was just, I, I would have stayed there all day, but I eventually was like, all right, peer pressure. I'll see the dang show. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> awesome. So, um, Kyle, tell me things. Give me, give me your story. So my story is pretty different from Cassie's, but in the end, we all ended up at the same place. Uh, I was also born in the Midwest, not Indiana, but just outside St. Louis. And my stepfather was in the military, so we bounced all over the place growing up. And I found myself living in Hawaii for about eight years. Wow. And I was an avid spear fisherman. And that's really how I fell in love with the sea, is going out and finding something to eat. And then, you know, you get older, you graduate from high school and time to pick what to do for the rest of your life. And I originally was an aeronautical science major. I wanted to be a pilot. Oh, wow. Yeah, very different. Interesting. Very different. I went through about a year of that and decided, nope, not the right call. And did a little bit of soul searching and decided to settle on marine biology. I didn't quite know what I wanted to do with that, but I decided it's going to be in that field. So the whole time I was working towards getting my degree, I was volunteering at the Virginia Aquarium and Marine Science Center. Nice. Um, And I volunteered there through the entire time I went to school. And I was looking to become an aquarist at that point. I decided I wanted to, you know, I wanted to work with these animals long term. And fortunately for me, as Odyssey Aquarium was getting built, they were looking for places to provide turtles for their habitats and Virginia Aquarium had two loggerhead sea turtles that were slated to move out here. These were turtles I had volunteer experience with. Oh, nice. So it was kind of a a two for one deal. Odyssey Aquarium got two loggerhead sea turtles and they got me who (laughs) had some experience with them. So I helped get these turtles ready for their transport. I loaded up in their transport container and set them on their way, went home, packed my bags, got on a plane, came out here keep taking care of them. 
Nice. That's really cool. I wasn't sure if they had like a transport container for you to just to make it, you know, but. <laughs> no, the, the airline wouldn't allow that. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They wanted me to pay the full price for a seat. <laughs> All right. That's very cool. So um, when, you know, so you were already out here and then they were opening this when you, y'all came out here. So you, you've been here since, since the start for, for both of you, right? With Odyssey or, or like in the area with Odyssey. I know you were at Sea yeah. Life first. Yeah. When was the start? We opened, it was 2016. Right. Um, so it was being built. I think I moved out here end of 2014 and they had already cleared out the area. So I really, every time I've driven past on the freeway here, Got to see it uh, being constructed. But That's really I, cool. I did not start here when we first opened. Um, I joined in 2018. So okay. I got to miss the uh, the stories of opening an aquarium in the middle of a desert in the middle of the summer. With no <laughs> air conditioning. Oh. I slide my way through that one. So I'm very thankful I got to come in a couple years later. <laughs> That's entertaining. Um, and then you were here basically from the start or? No, same same with okay. Cassie. I was a little late to the show. I was here just before she was. All I right. started in 2017, so almost exactly one year after we were open. So I, I miss those same experiences, but I think uh, I don't regret it. Yeah, dodging growing pains is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I yeah. mean, yeah, no, that's that's very cool. Awesome. All right. Um, and then uh, I'm curious. So you said you were from right outside of St. Louis, um, and I know you moved around a lot, but have you gone back to St. Louis? So the last time I was in St. Louis, they had not quite finished the aquarium okay. on, at Union Station. Highly but, recommend. Yeah, I love that whole area. Union Station is an absolute just pillar of the city. Yeah. It's right there with Bush Stadium. Yeah. And uh, the City Museum as well. Oh, my gosh. It, City Museum is so much fun. Oh, I place, love it. Yeah, I love it place there. on the planet. Yes. Uh, but next time I'm back home, because I still got folks out in the area whenever I'm visiting them, that I might go stop at Union Station before I go say hi to them. Yes, yeah. so. you, 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 gen, you genuinely should. I, um, I, I, so I drove out here. I actually drove to California. I was gigging in LA for like six weeks. So uh, Philly to California and then back to Phoenix and then I'm driving back home. And uh, I got to do an interview at, at the Aquarium at Union Station and it is beautiful. It is wonderful. Um, I think new facilities are, are so important. And I think this being a new facility, I think that being, you know, you can see the technology that is being incorporated every day in such a cool way to make such a unique experience. Um, they do it amazingly well. And then I rolled in here and I was like, oh, y'all do it amazingly well <laughs> as well. Um, and uh, and that, that leads me to one of the things that I want to talk about here, which is one of the, if not the coolest exhibit I have ever seen at an aquarium which is Voyager. So to people who are listening right now who haven't been here, explain this to them and why if they come, they can hear your voices every day as often as they want. Cassie, you want to try this one? So Yeah. So Voyager um, is such a cool experience here. It's our um, four largest exhibits at the aquarium. And when you're walking um, down to that gallery, you really don't know what you're walking into. No, um, you have no clue. Yeah, you're yeah. standing in a line um, waiting for the Voyager ride. Um, you get loaded into what looks like almost um, movie theater type seating. And oh, no, 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 no. There's no almost. I sat down yeah. and thought we were going to watch a movie. I thought it was one of those exhibits, because a lot of places have this, where you watch a movie and then a door opens and you walk you some more. On. I could not believe when it actually started moving. There may have been signs that say that or something. I really don't know because there was a sea turtle that was distracting me, which <laughs> is a common thing in my life. Um, but but yeah, no, it is. It, you walk into a movie theater and then it's not a movie. Yeah, yeah, so like you're totally surprised, especially if you've never been here before, never heard about it. You sit down and then you're actually rotated through four of our largest exhibits here that you would not get to see otherwise. So it's like this really unique experience showing you um, different environments that we have displayed here. So all of our rescued, rehabilitated sea turtles. Um, we've got an amazing grouper exhibit. Um, our super playful sea lions. And then one of my favorites is the very um, end of the Voyager experience is our large shark exhibit. Um, so it's quite amazing. Um, I don't know of anywhere else that does anything quite like this. Um, so it's a really unique 
experience uh, for our aquarium here. Yeah, definitely. And as you get to each exhibit, there is voiceover and and both of you provided voiceover for it, which is really cool. I feel like I'm meeting celebrities right now. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, just explaining what you're seeing and what's going on. Um, and it's it's one of the more magical things I've I've ever seen at any animal facility because you just you don't even know what's happening. And then it just it rotates you and you're you're suddenly, oh, goodbye, sea turtles. Oh, hello, sea lions. That's mm-hmm. cool. All right. <laughs> Um, and I get the impression that especially for older guests, it's really good because a, a lot of, you know, the, 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 people who maybe not don't have the easiest time standing at an exhibit window or whatever are able to sit comfortably and like, zoop, now I'm here. Now I'm here. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, has that always been here? Was that like part of the, the initial plan? Yeah. That, that exhibit has always been just one of the staple thoughts when Odyssey Aquarium was being built that we can have this one very unique display in which people can sit down and we do the moving for them. And it's not a ride. It doesn't go, you know, 10 miles an hour. It's a very slow rotating thing. And you get five minutes in front of each exhibit. But this is something that we've always wanted to have at Odyssey Aquarium because this is going to be our flagship display. And it looks impressive. It's ridiculous. It's it's really cool. Um, yeah, and and so what has the reaction been like to that? And and you know, do people love it? Am I the only one who gets on and goes three, four times? Because like I said, the day that I was there, I got chided a little bit for, oh hey, you're back. I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I think we have you know annual past members who are here all the time. Like I run into the same people constantly that are bringing the kids in. It's a nice, quiet morning, and they just get on the Voyager experience, and, you know, I see them all the time. So I think, you know, a lot of people really do enjoy it. And then even um, a couple hours out of the day, we actually open it up for a walkthrough experience. So say you want to get up close and personal, right up to the acrylic to, like, connect with the animals. We offer that um, two hours out of the day where you can leisurely walk through as well and Nice. Get a close experience too. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I definitely did not get out of my seat and go up when one of the loggerheads was right at the glass. I definitely <laughs> did not do that. And the photos that I am posting from that experience have nothing to do with that <clears throat> as well. Um, so it's good to know that you have time that you can do that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Woo. Um, very cool. So how does it work logistically from your side of things? Uh, like there's the, I I literally don't understand how this exhibit works and, and I don't have a very architecturally minded brain, but, but if you can explain that, that would be cool. Yeah. So from below, you're sitting in a circular room and think of the outside walls of this circular room, the exhibits, and your circular room will rotate as the exhibits stay stationary. Take that idea and move it upwards one floor. So think of a huge circular room, the center of this room, It's kind of blocked off in this point. It would be where you're normally sitting. But for us, that's where our sea lion holding is because obviously sea lions need access to dry land as well. That is reserved for them in that case. Around the perimeter are walkways for us to access these exhibits. So essentially, when you walk on top of the Voyager exhibit, it is a massive room that is just divvied up into four large exhibits. So if you were to start and go clockwise, you could make a big loop around each of them looking at the displays from above. Oh, cool. Okay. And is that where y'all do like the feedings and stuff as well? Exactly. Exactly. Cool. That's where all of the magic happens that is normally behind the scenes. Right. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. This whole thing is so neat. Anyone who's listening, um, if you get a chance to get to the Scottsdale area, which is right outside of Phoenix, take the time. It's, it's well worth it. Um, and actually, you know, before that exhibit, caught my attention. Something else in the design here caught my attention. And, and I remember walking in and, you know, when you go to a new facility for the first time, even if it's like got a good reputation, even if it's accredited, whatever, um, you always are a little concerned, you know, because there are a lot of, of sketchy, bad places out there. And, and one thing, you know, that's why we love accreditation. That's why we love on this podcast, promoting the good ones. But, um, there's always that like moment of like, oh, I hope this is good. And I walked in and I'm waiting to show my ticket to the ticket person. And there are fish tanks above me, big round globes with fish just hanging from the ceiling. So, okay, first question, how? 
Second question, how do you take care of those animals? Because I know you do, you know, so how does that, how does that work? So the globes are systems that, as you say, are hanging, suspended from the ceiling and they are completely spherical in shape and they are all freshwater in nature. So these are all freshwater fish, a lot of different cichlids, hatchet fish. We're actually brainstorming, try to get a little bit more diversity in there because most of what we have currently are cichlids. The life support for these displays is run elsewhere in the building. It's actually on the same floor as the Voyager, interestingly enough, because <laughs> this display, the globes, are on the first floor, so we want the life support to be one floor above it. In terms of accessing the animals, we usually do so either before we open or after we close, although we can access it at any time. We use either a ladder or a scissor lift. And we wow. get on up there and get you know 20 feet up into the sky and feed the fish from a ladder or a scissor lift. <laughs> That's so, amazing. Yes, it requires a good bit of uh, diligence and extra effort, uh, but it's well worth it. And it's really interesting the way that the theming for that concept works because the idea behind how our exhibits are laid out and our floor plan is that your journey is that of a drop of water. So you come down from the sky like the globes, like right, water right. drops, and uh, you journey on through the rivers of the world, which is our freshwater display, and eventually you make your way to the oceans and then the great deep. So it's kind of a symbolic thing as well. And I, it's also a very unique, interesting display. It really is. Yeah, no, and it does. It sets the tone super well. I'm not going to lie. I was totally that guy. I hate being that guy, but I was that guy. There was a kid and a mom right in front of me, and the kid goes, Mom, there are fish up there. And I was like, in my brain, I didn't say this out loud. And I was like, there aren't fish fish up there. It's probably <laughs> just water up in the, oh my God, there are fish up there. Like I literally looked up all cynically and I was like, oh, okay. All right. I'm an idiot. But yeah, it's, it's really impressive. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. Um, all right. So let's talk about, you know, the, we're, we're here to talk about sharks. And so I think it's probably time that we get to the sea turtles that are here because I love sea turtles and going off script. So, um, <laughs> I want to hear about some of the sea turtles and their stories here. I mean, yeah, we've got so many sea turtles here. Um, two different species. We've got our loggerhead sea turtles and green sea turtles. Um, you'll see them scattered through multiple exhibits at the aquarium. Um, I guess I'll start with Mr. Valor. He is one of our male juvenile green sea turtles that you'll get to see in our Great Barrier Reef Tunnel. Um, and that is kind of on the way to your Voyager experience. So um, he's a great green sea turtle. Um, he was, he is in uh, human care the rest of his life due to his injuries. Um, probably one of the most common injuries they'll suffer are boat strikes or injuries to their shell, um, which can create a condition called bubble butt. So you'll see a lot of our sea turtles here have their butts kind of floating up in the air where their head is more uh, down towards the bottom. So Valor has a bubble butt. Um, so he, you'll often find him wedging himself in the corals, holding himself down. Every time I've seen Valor, he is, I've not seen his head yet. He He's at the top <laughs> of the tube with his head wedged into the coral so you can't see it and just floating out yep. of the corals. And every time, is that a dead sea turtle? No, no, it's it's a thing. It's bubble. It's it's fine. <laughs> I mean, we get comments all the time. Like, is he alive? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, just wait. You'll see him start like scratching his shell, wiggling his butt. And he just locks himself down at the bottom mm -hmm. um, because he can't get down to the bottom and rest. So a lot of the times with these rescued sea turtles, um, we have to provide areas for them to rest since they can't get down to the bottom. Um, we'll do different types of like weight therapy where we're able to attach weights to the shell uh, to help them get down as well. So it is a lifelong injury that he has, but he's thriving here. And we've got so many stories with him. He's just our spunky little sea turtle. We love Valor. <laughs> well, that's one of the things I, I love in general about the turtles uh, here is you guys have um, signage up. That says who they all are and all of their personalities. And so I, the first time here, I posted a thing and I was like, which sea turtle at Odyssey are you? And I got a ton of responses and people like really seemed to connect with like, oh my gosh, I wish I was this turtle, but I mm -hmm. am that turtle. And I was like, that's some, that's some good messaging right there. Yeah. Um, and I love that my fan base was able to connect with turtles in the middle of a desert 
that they've mostly never been to. Like, that's a yeah. beautiful thing. You know, that's really cool. Um, but yeah, tell me about another turtle. Yeah, Kyle, you got some good stories. So I'll talk about one of the turtles that I worked with previously and then moved out here to continue. Yes. Yeah. With. Tell me. Uh, her name is Boise. She is the largest sea turtle at Odyssey Aquarium coming in at around 250 pounds, give or take. She also has been struck by a boat. You can see it very apparently on her carapace. There is uh, damage to it. And she also has some paralysis in her rear flippers. But one thing about Boise that I really love is her story and how she got the name Boise. Okay. Um, Boise was found out in the Chesapeake Bay. And she was actually spotted by a number of sailors. And they called in the Virginia Aquarium Marine uh, Response Center there. And they dispatched a crew to get this turtle to check her out and give her the the help she needed. And these sailors stuck around and uh, allegedly helped as well. And they they were really the driving force that got her found and and got her rescued. And when it turned out that Boise was going to pull through and she was going to be a non-releasable turtle, they decided if nothing else, they wanted to name this turtle in the honor of those sailors because they had all served on the submarine. As Boise. Nice. So since then, she's had the namesake in their honor for working so hard to get her the help she needed. And I just love everything about that story. Yeah, that's so good. That is awesome. Um, And actually, interestingly, so I did, I'm not ignoring you on my phone here, but I pulled up the the, the survey that Mm -hmm. I did with my thing. (laughs) And um, what I thought was interesting was that none of my fans saw themselves as a Boise, Valor, or Greta, but I... (laughs) I think I am an exact split between Boise and Greta. So I, I like that. I like that my turtle and only my turtle <laughs> has that, that great story. Um, and so then tell me about Greta because I want to know about me. I mean, yeah, Greta, she is another one of our green sea turtles here. Um, also probably sub adult age. Um, and she's also got bubble butt just like Valor. Uh, but Greta, oh my goodness. She just has such a unique personality. Um, Luckily, on our team, we are very blessed to work with all of our sea turtles here. Um, So we've really gotten to know their personalities. And Greta, I mean, she is just, she loves her people. Uh, (laughs) She loves her animal care team. And it's just so endearing when we go to take care of her. She's like swimming up to the side, like ready for us to lean over to feed her (laughs) or give her um, shell scratches on her carapace. She just loves that. And you know, me, I'm always making like making up these stories in my brain about our animals just because I like to connect with them. And yeah, some of the wild stories we've come up with about her. I mean, she's just such a sweet turtle. Um, I'm trying to remember. Do you remember her story, Kyle? She was also found as a juvenile um, with an injury on her shell. Um, and she's got the bubble butt. Too. Right. Pretty sure she was from the Carolinas. Okay. Yep. Probably an ocean, seems likely. Yep. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure she came from the Carolinas. Okay, Yeah. cool. Very cool. Yeah, well, it's nice to know so much about myself. Also, <laughs> when you said giving them, them scratches, my, my fingers did, like involuntarily. I love, yeah. I love, every time I hung out with the sea turtle, it just, they were the animal that got me into animals. Oh, so great. I'm just, I'm like, oh, I, I like scratching turtle. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I get that. Um, so as far as my fans are concerned, they mostly identify with Ripley. So somebody tell me about Ripley because I need to, I'm doing this as a study of my fans at this point. (laughs) So Ripley is the other loggerhead that I worked with previously and moved here. Uh, She's actually the turtle I've known for the longest. It'll be. What a cool sentence to say, by the way. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) next year, fall of next year, it'll be a decade that I've worked with her. So it's, it's been a run. Um, she, She's a personality. She's a spitfire. Uh, Ripley is not afraid to let you know that she is displeased with the offerings for food that day. She will not even take a bite. She'll just look at you sideways and swim away. (laughs) Uh, Ripley might see one of the other turtles resting in a spot she thinks looks like a good spot to rest. So she'll kind of wedge her head in there and pry the other turtle out. Um, so she is one that I would say is probably the most authoritative personality in, in that exhibit. Um, but nevertheless, uh, she's, 
she's she's very keen on what's happening. She is a uh, little bit harder to uh, train because she already sees the steps happening. We we try to work all of our turtles on a stretcher, make uh-huh. their medical checkups voluntary as voluntary as they can be. Um, yeah, she's she's almost almost the queen of that exhibit, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> My fans are going to really like this, by the way. <laughs> Ripley's in charge. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Very cool. All right. And then we've got Charlie and Erica. So tell me about them. They were two and three in my my fan. You want series. Charlie or Erica? Yeah. Um, let's talk about Charlie. Okay. Miss Charlie girl. Um, she's another one of our rescued loggerhead uh, turtles. She's also got bubble butt. Surprise. Um, so you'll see on Charlie, she also suffered a boat strike injury. Um, she was found near Florida, Marathon, Florida. Um, she's of adult age, although we don't know her exact age. Her sure. size leads us to believe she's an adult. Um, and she's actually got uh, weights that were attached to her shell to help her uh, rest at the bottom. So you'll actually see her uh, resting quite a bit at the bottom if you are able to visit us at um, Voyager. Um, her personality... Gosh, Charlie's something else. Um, <laughs> how do I describe her? I mean, she's just kind of like la di da. And then when you go to theater, she, I think of her as like a dinosaur because she just like opens her mouth and like thrashes at the food. She's just very <laughs> motivated to eat. Whereas, you know, Boise is just nice and gentle. You know, we'll take the food, won't, you know, almost bite your fingers off. Charlie, you got to be a little careful with her. Um, I've definitely never heard of that with a sea turtle before. That's amazing. Like she just, she's ready for her food when she eats. (laughs) Um, But she's, she's a great sea turtle. She does really great with the training that we do with her. Um, She doesn't quite remember stuff as much as Ripley does. Um, So Charlie's just kind of a, kind of think of her as like a space cadet type personality, but she's a great sea turtle. (laughs) Bubble butt and bubble brain. I like it. Awesome. And then let's round it out. Okay. So we got one left and that is Erica. So Erica is also a green sea turtle. She does not have bubble butt. She's different (laughs) from all the rest. Yeah. And she is our smallest turtle. She's here because she was found as a hatchling. Very, very small. About 30 grams size of a light bulb when they first found her. And we think a predator got a hold of her. She was missing her front right flipper and she's blind out of her right eyes. And she has some shell deformities as well. So a number of reasons why she's here. She gets along. She's not afraid of these loggerheads at all. She's actually kind of the alarm bell, the rooster for the loggerheads. She loves to get underneath them and use them as a scratching post. (laughs) So it's fantastic to see a 20-pound green sea turtle going up to a 200-pound turtle and using it as a scratching post and waking the loggerhead up as well. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then Erica, one thing that everyone finds the most endearing thing about her is how to describe this. You know, on dogs, when you scratch them, and you hit that spot. Oh, just yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And they start kicking that yeah, leg. Yep. Erica's got that. Oh, my God. So you scratch one certain spot on her and she starts spinning in circles. She's just pumps in circles and just spins. As fast as her little flippers will twirl her around. Oh, my gosh. That's the cutest thing that has ever been said on an animal podcast. Yeah, it is. You see it once, and you're like, I want to scratch that turtle like that. (laughs) Again, my hands are just. (laughs) (laughs) She's the best. Yeah, she's she's, she's a blast to work with. That's amazing. That is so cool. I love sea turtles so They're great. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. So, yeah. Cool. All right. So let's move on. I know that the aquarium is known for its sharks and I keep not looking at y'all because as we are doing this interview, we are in a room with an open like view of the shark, one of the shark and, and Ray habitats. And I don't know what to do with myself. (laughs) The fact that I haven't completely stopped talking yet is actually kind of impressive. Um, But so like, this is amazing. This place has such cool, big exhibits, lots of room for sharks. Talk to me about the shark situation here. I mean, yeah, we have a really nice, diverse collection of sharks here at the aquarium. 
you can see them all the way up on the first level in our stingray touch pool. Um, so you can actually interact with some of our sharks and touch them um, to where you come down to the bottom floor and you're in this amazing exhibit where you get to go on an escalator through and see um, several different types of Indo-Pacific uh, shark species. And then in our largest display, um, we've got some really impressive large sharks. Um, I think our largest individual is one of our nurse sharks uh, named Blossom. Uh, she's around 300 pounds. Um, we've also got lemon sharks on display here, which is pretty rare um, in the U.S. Yeah, definitely. Um, sand tigers, sandbars. Um, we've got we've got it all, and we do a lot of really cool behavioral training here too with our sharks. Um, the nurse sharks are probably the one that stands out to me the most. Uh, we've actually trained them to interact with us a little bit because we want to make their healthcare as low stress as possible. So if we're able to train these animals to voluntarily be okay around with us, we'll actually get in the water with our nurse sharks, do some, what we call tactile training, where we use our hands just to touch around uh, to mimic like a medical exam. Right, right. Um, so it's just amazing. Like when I've got this 300 pound shark in my arms and she's just sitting there <laughs> and like totally calm and fine with it. It's just quite amazing. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I feel like, you know, there was a movie that came out uh, quite a while ago that gave gave uh, a bad rap to, to sharks in general. Love Mr. Spielberg, but uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, but so for, for people who are listening right now who got through all the cuteness of the sea turtles and are now like, oh, I don't want to hear about them. They're scary. <laughs> what, what would you say about sharks? And, and are sharks cool? Are sharks scary? Do we need to be afraid of the average shark that we see? Do you all secretly have to, you know, risk your lives every time you go in and, and cuddle your nurse shark, you know? So, yeah, sh sharks are scary in appearance. There's no getting around that. They have lots of teeth. They're really big and they're really fast. But they really don't have anything to do with you. We get into our exhibits whenever we have to do a checkup for a shark. If they are not trying to go to the med pool, we have to kind of shepherd that animal into the med pool. They don't want to go. They don't want to be near us. They don't want to be around. Um, that being said, you always have respect for any wild animal. Of course, they are yes. wild animals. They will do mm -hmm. whatever their instincts guide them to do. Um, but in terms of scary factor, there are a lot scarier things out there than sharks. Your dog at home can even be scarier than a shark. Um, they're really fascinating fish to work with. They have personalities, believe it or not. You know, Cassie was just talking about our nurse sharks. Mm -hmm. There's Blossom, the real big 300-pounder who uh, will just sit in our arms. And then our male nurse shark who will sit on the precipice of the med pool <laughs> and leer in, scared and alarmed as to what's going on and Aww. not quite trusting. So, yeah, I mean, they, they're animals just like anything else. You, you can't just put all of them into one umbrella. Yeah, no, absolutely. What is the uh, the like endangered status of of the sharks that you have here? I mean, I know it, it's probably a wide variety, but are, do you have endangered sharks here or threatened? Or how are how are sharks doing in the wild in general? I realize this is a huge group of animals, but yeah, we've got a few species that stick out in my brain that um, are a little bit more like threatened out in the wild. Um, we display zebra sharks here, which you can see in this room. Um, I don't know exactly their status in the wild. It's time for interrupting, 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 interrupting John. Mm. Endangered. Zebra sharks are, in fact, endangered. If you had endangered on your bingo card, you win. Hands up, ladies and gentlemen. Hands up. All right. Back to the interview. Um, but under AZA, um, we have different, like, programs that focus on, um, it's called SAFE, so saving animals from extinction. Um, so we do have a couple species of sharks here that are in that program nice. um, that we focus pretty heavily on, um, you know, trying to breed in captivity and things like that. Um, one other thing, we, we do have a big right outside the Voyager and you get another look at the sharks and you go around the corner and it talks about shark conservation, shark fin soup, buying products that are shark free. And 
there's another display there. And I think one great example that we have here that displays that are sandbars. Sandbar sharks are still vulnerable. And in the 90s, when shark finning was a big thing, they were specifically targeted for their fins. They have one of the largest fin-to-body ratios. So now we have a pretty large collection of sandbars here at Odyssey Aquarium. And we can display these animals that were once targeted and are now safe here in this hub. And, you know, we've worked with a number of different aquariums here on the West Coast to make sure that we do have ample sandbars that we can work with and transport all around. Very cool. I love that. Um, as we're speaking about sharks, um, I, you know, some people are so afraid of them that they, they, they feel like they like scare the poo out of them. And uh, the, the bathrooms here actually encourage that, right? So uh, tell me about that. Yeah. So we say it all the time when people walk in and it's one of the most confused looks you can ever imagine on a human's face. When you say, please visit our restrooms, they're award-winning. <laughs> um, the first thought is what could be award-winning about a restroom? Come on. Um, you walk in there and the first thing you see is where the mirror would normally be. There's no mirror. It is another display into our largest shark. Exhibit. Yep. So as you're there washing your hands, a sand tiger comes by, eyeball just flicking by, looking at what's going on. Uh, I can't think of another place in the world where after you go to the bathroom and you're trying to wash your hands, you look in and see a bunch of sharks. Nope. So it is one more just drop to this place that is just so unique. And also, what a brilliant idea during this whole pandemic thing where you have to wash your hands for at least 20 seconds, right? Like, I can't believe that we've had to teach people how to wash their hands in the last three years, but that's a different story for a different podcast. But you're really compelled to stay there when you are looking at a, an exhibit. And, and when you're washing your hands, it even feels like you're right in the water with them. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a line to wash your hands. Yeah, yeah. It's really astonishing. It is so beautiful. And I assume that that is in the women's room as well. Yeah, it's just cool. right next to it. Same exhibit. Nice. I just wasn't sure because yeah. security grabbed me as I was trying to sneak in. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, I will say I did. There, There is a zoo. Uh, well, I've talked about it on here before, but the Nashville Zoo has exhibits in um, their bathrooms as well. And uh, it's a different exhibit in the men's and the, the ladies. And so one time I was there, I may have had somebody guard the door after checking it out so that I could see what I was missing. So A, great job having the shark exhibit and B, great job not making it so that you know, you have to be a creep and go into the wrong bathroom just to see all of the animals. So double nice job. <laughs> you don't miss out. Uh, award-winning bathrooms. I like that. Come for the award-winning bathrooms. Stay for the turtles. Um, yeah. So tell me about uh, the rays that are here as well, because it I, there's a lot of really cool diversity of the rays here. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand rays or really get what they are. I mean, yeah, we have also a great collection of different species of stingrays here. Again, starting in our freshwater gallery, you're getting to see different um, like Amazon rays that you'd find in the rivers. Um, you make your way to the stingray touch pool. We've got a really cool collection of different species. Um, and then you make your way downstairs and you see our largest stingray here at Odyssey, who is just amazing like I'll never forget seeing her for the first time as a guest before I worked here and I was like I will work with that stingray one day <laughs> and here I am and that's she's awesome just amazing um but her name's Pua she is a Hawaiian broad stingray um her wingspan is well over five feet she weighs the last time we weighed her was around 200 pounds and that was several years ago so she's grown even since then um uh, but she is such a gentle animal. I think stingrays really get a bad rep because of the Steve Irwin um, accident that was truly an accident. Yeah. Um, you know, we are in these exhibits all the time, Kyle and I feeding our stingrays underwater, scuba diving with them, um, and they want nothing to do to harm us at all. Um, they're actually really personable, um, really like trainable too. Like you can teach them to do different things just like we would with our sea turtles. Um, so they're pretty intelligent animals too. That's really awesome. Yeah. The, the Steve Irwin thing sucks, but again, like you said, things will happen. Mistakes or, you know, accidents happen and, um, he was a true loss, but you know, yeah, 
it's not like it was the Stingray's fault. Yeah. And it's not like, I, I genuinely believe from everything that he said, I mean, we can't know, but I genuinely believe that he would be the first one to say, you know, stop this. Don't, don't be mad at them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And like yeah. I said earlier, they're wild animals yeah. and you know, you, they're predictable to some degree, but at the end, they're going to do whatever their instincts guide them to do. And you mm-hmm. have to always respect them for that. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I, I always like to laugh because I get to go behind the scenes at a lot of these interviews and meet a lot of cool animals. And I've, you know, hundreds of different species and subspecies and stuff. And, um, you know, some of them are the ones that they're not all ambassador animals. They're not trained to be with a bunch of different people. So I get to have some experiences with animals that are a little, you know, more touch and go, but I'm, I'm here for it. That's, that's, you know, I understand the assignment. I have one scar from one animal and it is a red panda. And that is like my favorite story ever because I have met all of these big, scary things and, you know, walrus that could knock me over and stomp on me if it wanted to. Not that I wanted to, but, and the one scar that I have is from a freaking red panda. <laughs> Figures, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So they're, they're all wild animals and, and things happen and I get a kick out of that. Uh, all right. So. I would love to talk real quick as, as we start to wrap it up here um, about conservation organizations that y'all respect and want to give a shout out to. So if we could do that. I mean, we um, here at the aquarium have a lot of conservation initiatives uh, going on pretty frequently. Um, we do a lot of river cleanups here in the desert. Um, both with, yeah, I'm sorry, that ocean. just sounds really funny, but river cleanups in the desert doesn't just like, sound right. Is there a river here? Yes, yes. we have a river. Yes, yes. Uh, the Salt River, we actually have adopted um, a like camping site or grounds where we go do monthly cleanups and pick up the trash that um, people are leaving out at the sites when they're camping or fishing. Um, so we even offer that for our guests uh, pre-COVID. We're bringing people out to come help us clean up trash. Um, we also have teamed up with um, the Game and Fish Department to work on invasive species removal. So, um, for instance, along the Salt River, there is an invasive snail called the apple snail. And it actually lays these bright pink, like bubblegum pink eggs on the plant. So we'll actually get on kayaks out on the river and you knock these egg cases into the water and it essentially helps um, control that population from taking over the entire river. Um, so that's a really unique conservation thing that we do. That's here. really cool. Yeah. 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 Invasive species are such an issue. Um, all oh, over. Yeah. yeah. Like the pet store, you can get these snails, you know, at PetSmart or Petco and they just get released and now... They're starting to take over in Arizona of all places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Kyle, was there anything you wanted to add? I want to add a shout out to Phoenix Herp on there. We do a lot of work with them. A lot of the reptiles you see in the building here are actually from Phoenix Herp. They make sure that we work in coordination to keep displays full with these nice, healthy animals. And if they seem to outgrow their displays, you know, we have some juvenile American gators upstairs. They're they're going to get bigger. Uh, they'll they'll make sure that they have homes for the rest of their lives. Nice. So really proud to work in conjunction with them. That is very cool. And you know, um, I, yeah, conservation is such a huge thing, obviously a big part of why we all do what we do. And I, I love that. That's very cool. There's one more animal that I want to ask about, uh, before we, we get to the poop story, Poop story, uh, which is y'all have a sloth situation going on upstairs. And, um, I, I have some fans who need to hear some cute and cuddly in every episode or I hear about it. So, <laughs> Are you, why are you pointing at Cassie? You're saying that That's she's cute all, and cuddly? All oh, her I think he just called you cute and cuddly. I'm a little no. confused. So nice. No. <laughs> so nice. I kid. Uh, I kid. I kid. TJ, <laughs> if you're listening, that didn't happen. It didn't happen. I promise. No, but so so tell me about the sloth. I mean, yeah. So I, I don't work directly with our sloths. We have a separate um, department that works with our ambassador, like sloth, birds, penguins, sea lions. Um, but you know, working on an aquarium, we're kind of like one team, one dream. So there are a lot of instances where we happen to walk by and they're training our sloths. We've got two of them here, uh, Barney and Squidney. They I love are... Squidney's name so much. Squidney was on display when I was here. Well, Barney is also short for barnacle. So oh they're very, gosh, they're yes. very themed appropriate. <laughs> That's awesome. 
They are, you know, I don't know a whole lot about their personalities from what I've been told. Squidney is a little bit more like spicy and, you know, she's got a bit more spunk. Whereas Barney, he's just chill and laid back. Um, But they're both ambassador animals. You know, they'll take them out on the floor for the public to meet them and really um, talk about those animals that kind of help tie in, you know, not only are we displaying um, animals in the oceans and rivers, but it all connects together. So we've got some really cool displays with uh, parrots and sloth just to try to help that connection with people. So it's great when I'm walking through the hallway and I see them with the sloth, I'm like, can I stop and see Barney? That's awesome. (laughs) I want to play with a sloth. By the way, Squidney, the spicy sloth, should be a children's book series. I'm just saying, get on it, y'all. Get on we'll it. You have to tell the mammal team. Like, yes. Hey, yeah, that's, a, a that's, a, that's a keeper of an idea right there. <laughs> Definitely. But all right, it is time. It's time now, don't you know? We've come to the end of the show. But there's one tale left to go. You're going to laugh and say, oh no. It's time for the Rossifari poop story. Hit me. I got one. Let's see. Um, So it's not exactly poop, but um, one stands out in my mind. Uh, I was feeding Greta, the green sea turtle. Um, She's eating her favorite foods like lettuce and pepper, and she starts chewing on the lettuce. And sometimes when they chew, um, jets of water will uh, spit out from the nostrils. And I was like, sitting there talking to her while I was feeding her and it lands straight into my mouth. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, it's fine because it's Greta and we're used to it. We work with animals. But I was like, of all the timing, it like jets out of her nose straight into my mouth. I'm like, oh. Amazing. How about you? Uh, So this one's from back in my volunteer days. And, uh, you know, the volunteers get the dirty job sometimes. That's how it goes. (laughs) Yep. It's okay. Um, but there was a area that would drain multiple system water after it would get backwashed out. It was kind of a trough and they would all flow down into the sewage. Uh, this trough got clogged and there was one way to access it through this grate. And so we took the grate off and uh, I drew the short straw and jumped on in <laughs> and had to go down with a hose and spray all of this waste and debris out and down and unclog the trough. And it was bad enough to one point where I vomited and wow. uh, continued to lay in my own vomit and continued to <laughs> unclog the drain. <laughs> uh, so I came out, I went in wearing khakis and a red shirt and I came out just brown and black from head to toe. That, that's a good, that's a good story. Is that works. Yeah, that is, that is gross. And I'm glad we went in that order because, uh, you, you won the contest. Just oh, yeah. I'm, like, I'm thankful I didn't have that yeah. story. Awesome. Well, well, thank you both so much for doing this. This has been a blast. Yeah, thanks for having yeah, us. Thanks. It's great. All right. So uh, there you have it, folks. Odyssey Aquarium. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It was so great to see Cassie and Kyle. And then I have to tell you that after the interview, Kyle went and took me on a behind the scenes tour throughout the entire aquarium. Got to see some of those adorable sea turtles that we were talking about and some of the other animals. Um, The coolest part for me was just seeing how Voyager works above because it totally makes sense when you can see it from the top but it's it's a little shocking and confusing when you're on the quote ride to um to see how it you know it just it just it's so cool it's so cool y'all it is so cool i love how many innovative things i am seeing at new facilities when i visit them uh yeah so thank you again to everyone at odyssey you're all incredible uh special shout out to my friend cassie light who also works there it was awesome to meet you and i love when i can take somebody who's a fan and turn them into a friend and you are a cool human so yay you uh, also, thanks to Lara Shank, my Red Panda level patron, and to all of my patrons, remember that you can support the pod for as little as $3 a month by going to patreon.com slash Rossafari. And last but absolutely not least, remember, friends, the word credits backwards is Stiderk. Stiderk. 
The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.